Welcome to this episode of Sexy Aging, where we unpack the hormonal challenges to our bodies. This is the first of two episodes with Dr. Wendy Sweet, founder of My Menopause Transformation Program. Wendy has worked in the health and exercise industry for over 30 years. Originally an ICU nurse, she retrained and pioneered the personal training industry in New Zealand. Wendy went on to lecture in sport, exercise, nutrition and health physiology and undertook her master's degree in behavioural lifestyle change. She then pursued her doctoral studies at the Faculty of Health, Sports and Human Performance at Waikato University, focusing on better understanding of how women perceive ageing and the role of exercise in the stages of menopause. Wendy's own journey through perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause provide authenticity and science to her interviews. This episode will focus on what is happening to our hormones as we age and why sleep is so important. So I am absolutely thrilled to be introducing Dr. Wendy Sweet to my podcast. Um, This is beyond exciting and I just want to let you know that because Wendy said yes, that's why this podcast is actually happening. (laughs) So um, how I know Wendy is uh, we were students together at university in Dunedin um, doing physical education. Wendy was probably ten, you're 10 years, maybe 10 years older than me. Are we allowed to talk at about least, that now? At least, okay, 10 absolutely, yeah. 10 years, uh, Wendy is a, was an adult student with a nursing background. So she came in all, you know, gung-ho and knew exactly, you know, on the anatomy side and the physiology side already. So she was the person to sit next to in the lectures. That's what I would <laughs> learn really quickly. And, um, and we also worked both of us worked in the same gym in New Zealand. And what I also remember, Wendy setting up uh, one-on-one personal training for Les Mills New Zealand, um, an amazing system, which I was integrated into as probably one of the first female New Zealand PTs under your system, Wendy. Um, So for that, I'm eternally grateful and I had an amazing career And now I'm thinking back to some of the women that I used to train when I was that, you know, 20 year old gung ho. And some of my clients were in their 50s. And I trained Mm. them like they were 20 year olds. Mm. So that is actually one of the topics that we're going to catch up on today. But uh, I'm going to hand it over to Wendy. I'm just literally going to shut myself down because this woman has the guts for you guys. So let's do it, Wendy. Well, kia ora, Tracy, and thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's always a privilege to spread the message and um, and also just to to increase the awareness about um, some of the areas that I'm into now. As as you mentioned, we we have a very long history, and part of that history is also part of the story about. Uh, perimenopause and menopause and postmenopause. And I always say that um, women like you and I, uh, despite the age difference, are very unique. And we, we are unique in ways that have been unprecedented as we come into midlife. And I say that because um, we are the first generation of women to have come through 
the pioneering of the fitness industry and come into our menopause transition. So therefore, there hasn't really been a lot of emphasis on our demographic. And over the past 30 years, there has been incredible, um, you know, research in so many, in so many different areas, but not so much around our, you know, women who are 45 to 60 and who are transitioning into the next phase of their life, which of course is the third age. So I became very, very interested in, um, in, from a from a personal perspective, but also from a demographic perspective in our generation, and uh, because we are so different from our mother's generation, and um, we're very different from you know the the younger people in their in their thirties. So into and I mean different, not in terms of our biology, which we're going to talk about today, but um, but in terms of the 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 social context of how we how we live our lives and how we expect to live our lives as we as we go forward. Um, so so really that's where you know I'm very excited that I've I've positioned um, my doctoral research in women between the ages of um, 50 and 65, and as part of that that led me on my own journey through uh, this particular stage of life and why it's a really important stage of life to, I guess, in, in pandemic parlance, to have a pivot and, and to pivot um, not only in terms of our changing biology, but also in, in terms of our beliefs um, about how we look after ourselves, how we exercise, how we eat, and um, how we work with our body um, from a physiological sense. And I, I'm not, I'm not, um, uh, uh, you know, dis discluding the uh, emotional sense, but certainly from a, a physiology sense. So, so really, that's that's where um, I've been heading for a number of years now, and I've ended up in this space called uh, menopause. And I ended up there because, uh, to be quite frank, it hit me like a ton of bricks, and um, it hit me like a ton of bricks because I was still. Uh, exercising and living my life in ways that I have done for decades as as you've done and and numerous women our generation have done and I was experiencing a lot of symptoms um, that I had no idea were attributed to the menopause transition and it was really undertaking my doctoral studies on woman's health and aging and the exercise experience that led me towards um, where I am today. And Can I just interrupt? Mm. And I just want to tell the listeners and the viewers that Wendy was a former national iron woman. <laughs> so when we talk about mm. exercise and we talk about, you know, someone who knows how to train, we're actually talking about Wendy. So when you say that you're having these, you know, changes to your body and you cannot exercise the way you used to, I think this is, you know, it was definitely a wake up call for you, right? Mm, absolutely. And in the context of the gym as well, because, um, you know, we've come through so many changes in, 
the fitness environment and also the, um, the incredible diversity of different classes and different ways of exercising. And uh, we've all experienced those different ways. But what was interesting was um, what led me on this journey was actually attending um, you know, the large URSA conference in America a number of years ago. And I was there from an education perspective. So there was a lot of different education um, uh, organizations there. And uh, one of the attendees at that meeting, she said that they own 10,000 health clubs around America and Canada. And there was a phenomenon that was happening. And that was that women over the age of 50 were the, first, were the highest demographic to join up. But then there was a pause and she said, but they're also the first to leave. And it was very interesting that that comment sat with me and, and I had uh, come out of my master's research, which was on lifestyle behavior change and the exercise environment. And I came back and my, um, you know, chatting to uh, Professor Bevan Grant, who ended up being my supervisor, he was um, very interested in that comment. And he said that for the last 20 years, the research had gone on on um, the baby boomers who were 65 and older, but they were missing the last of the baby boomers who were the 50 to 65 demographic. So I became very interested in that demographic and certainly um, in, in women within that demographic. So I trotted away and talked to women all around New Zealand from the North Island right down to the bottom of the South Island. And um, everyone told me the same story. Everyone had positioned health and aging in doing in the perspective of doing lots of exercise, because that was the paradigm that uh, they attributed to um, staying healthy. And every single one of them said, when I explored why that was, why have they positioned health and the aging in doing lots of exercise? Um, it was fascinating because every single one of them said, because I don't want to age like my mother. And of course, we've seen our mother's um, generation with you know, a number of uh, functional um, problems and mobility problems and health problems, um, certainly heart disease. And uh, so they had, they had all formed this opinion about how much exercise they should be doing and um, the intensity of uh, exercise. But um, in, in contrast to that, they then told me the most incredible stories about how they were actually feeling. Because I said to them, well, how's that going for you? And every single one of them said, well, I'm feeling really exhausted because I'm not sleeping and I've got no energy, but my personal trainer really pushes me hard and I'm not losing weight and I've got sore joints and I've, um, you know, on and on and on and went and not one of them mentioned menopause. And, and the, 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 um, the shock for me was I was sitting there, um, you know, being, being an academic interviewer, but in my mind thinking, wow, that's how I'm feeling as well. So that was the start of my journey, Tracy, and, and it's why and how I ended up in this um, stage of life, which is, um, uh, you know, women between the ages of 45 and our late 50s, 
and um, how we are moving through menopause or perimenopause. There's three stages to the menopause transition, perimenopause, menopause, and then postmenopause. Those stages go on for eight to 10 years, which uh, use, usually elicits horror in many women uh, <laughs> discovering that. And, um, and so I have, it's really been my passion for um, a number of years now to, um, to enable and empower women through this stage uh, of life. So yeah, and I know That's that so many women have been empowered and educated because, I mean, we'll talk a little bit later about your program, which I have personally told so many people to look into because you're so generous with your content, but I think that if they really, really need support, if they mm. are really stuck, they need to get on your program. So we'll talk about that towards the, the end of our um, interview. I think possibly where we could kick off now is like one of the things that I experienced, um, I'm, I'm in perimenopause and I probably started about three years ago, which is 47. I believe that's probably the average mm -hmm. age for kicking off perimenopause. I was a little bit prepared <laughs> because I was studying what's happening to my body at 45. Um, but I really had to think really hard on what was happening on the hormonal front. Now, you know, I've got the phys ed background, so I understand anatomy and I understand hormones, but even I was very challenged mm. trying to figure out what the heck is going on. So mm. I know that I've heard you um, speak before in some video content. I've read some of your blogs. You are a master at communicating this. So can you help us, please? <laughs> yeah. I hope so, Tracy, because I, and, and and like you, I really arrived at this age and stage of life without knowing a thing. And, uh, you know, our mother's generation didn't talk about it. So um, so once I understood that, um, that essentially um, there was a whole lot of um, different women experiencing the same symptoms, I became very curious. So the first thing I did was I got a blank bit of paper and I wrote, I still remember writing on it, what is menopause? And that was the start of my own understanding. So menopause itself is a transition. And it, if you think about it, and if you can visualize it, it's the bookend to puberty. And I love that analogy. And I, I, I really got it when I, you know, I saw a graph in, a, in an academic article and I went, wow, we're actually going back in time from a reproductive perspective. So we come through puberty, it happens anytime from, you know, 10 years old these days, right through to, you know, our late teens. And, and there are a huge number of physiological changes that are going on in the body. So the first thing I want women to do is visualize that book into puberty, because Basically, where our reproductive hormones, which control so many structures around the body, are changing. And as part of that change, um, you have three different transitions that you go through. The first one, as you mentioned, somewhere around 45 midlife um, is, is perimenopause. Now, I use that term midlife because um, we, you, you are in midlife when you, uh, depending on the life expectancy of the country that you live in. 
So obviously that differs around the world. And here in New Zealand, the, um, the average life expectancy of women is around 85 to 87 years old. And then from, for, that's for Pakeha, European woman, but for Maori woman, it's a little bit younger. So there are different um, um, uh, terminology and, and, and references to midlife, depending on ethnicity as well. So it's a, it's a, it's a cultural, um, a geographical and, um, and, and ethnic phase. Uh, so somewhere between the ages of 45 and round about 48, 49, 50, we are starting to, um, our ovaries are producing less estrogen. And over that time, we start to naturally use, lose the follicles that are producing estrogen. Now that we also, progesterone is declining as well. But it's interesting because you with your physiology knowledge will know that um, menopause itself, um, uh, elicits a number of hormonal changes around the body. So I'll go into that shortly. So, so perimenopause, your period's starting to change, they'll be fluctuating, um, and there'll be some symptoms that, that start to develop depending on how you respond to those changes. Then menopause itself globally is around 51 to 52 years old. And menopause is defined by when your periods have ended. So you've gone through perimenopause, your periods are fluctuating, and now they've stopped completely. So that is you're in menopause, but you're not in postmenopause until those periods have stopped for a year or more. So those are the three different distinct phases. They don't, they don't, our biology is the same around the world. And um, with those distinct uh, phases, we then move into the next phase of our life, which is post-menopause. So, and because, um, you know, the population is aging, we've got another 30 odd years, hopefully, um, that we're in the stage of post-menopause. So once I understood that transition through menopause, and yes, it can differ, if women have had a late puberty, then they can have a late menopause. If women have had children later in life, they can have a late a later menopause. If women have had surgical menopause, then obviously there's different changes that, that go on. So that is the clinical um, you know, phases of menopause. And the question, you know, the, the thing that I began to understand was that menopause itself is not the problem. And menopause is a, if you think about it as the opposite life stage to puberty, and it is a life stage that all women on the planet go through, then it is not the problem. But over the past 30, 40 years, menopause have been, has been problematized and very medicalized. So really that was the start of, of my understanding, was thinking, right, well, how do we get to the point where we're allowing our body to transition in ways that aren't impacting on our health? And I became very passionate about understanding health from an aging perspective. And the game changer was putting our menopause symptoms in the aging research and the aging science. And it's really only in the past decade that the aging science has really exploded, um, not only from 
a, um, a biological and medical sense, but also interestingly from the qualitative research and understanding a lot of the, the different um, qualitative aspects of aging about how we age and why we age and the meanings of aging. So all I've done is marry up a lot of the science and using putting my physiology hat on and also the qualitative research. And as we've, you know, so, so my approach was, well, if menopause is a natural event, what makes it so unnatural for so many women, for millions of women around the world, it is the, it is the time of life where their elicits chaos and how they're feeling and how they're coping. And that began my, my own um, research using my sport and exercise science hat because one of the things that I've done for a number of years is um, lectured at, at uh, the University of Waikato here in New Zealand on sport and exercise science and I used to talk about the medical aspects of female athletes and one of the things that I began to reflect on was the fact that I was lecturing how in a low estrogen phase of a hormonal cycle, um, which is the proliferative phase as, 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 as female athletes um, are competing, they are at their highest risk for um, joint injuries, particularly knee injuries. So, so as they were coming through the cycle, the hormonal cycle, and going into a low estrogen phase, um, which is when they were um, right before they're, they're menstruating, then they have a risk for low, uh, for, for very high risk of injuries. And the sport and exercise science uh, research is replete with injuries in female athletes um, that are joint injuries and and so I began to reflect on the the number one question which was wow what happens as our body moves into a low estrogen and low progesterone environment and in perimenopause um, despite the fact that we're losing our ovarian follicles and estrogen and progesterone are declining the interesting thing is is that um, our hormones start with our pituitary gland in our brain. So you cannot look at your ovaries without looking at what's going on with the two master hormones, follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone. And in perimenopause, those hormones or particularly follicle stimulating hormone remains high. So, um, so in women who are not transitioning through perimenopause very well, then um, there is this uh, gap that's, uh, that's happening, a, a wider gap between what's happening in their pituitary gland and what's happening in their ovaries. And, uh, and that's when they, they kind of, a lot of the women get put on, um, you know, medications and hormone replacement therapy. So perimenopause, we're still producing estrogen and progesterone, but it's starting to decline. And then, and, and so our periods are um, fluctuating. And then as we come into menopause, our periods stop. And it's when we've, those periods have stopped for a year or more that we're in post-menopause that we've actually reached our, our lower level of estrogen, progesterone, and those two master hormones, um, luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone. So, the, so by the time we're post-menopause, 
um, our body is having to adapt to the four reproductive hormones being low. And that's where a lot of um, women are not allowing their body to, um, or not understanding that, that uh, the low estrogen, progesterone, and the master pituitary hormones have an impact on their muscles, their joints, their blood vessels, their liver. Um, and essentially we're passing through into our aging. So then that set up the next um, question for me, which was what is aging and how are we aging? So, so, so there's three phases of menopause, perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause. And all of those phases elicit um, different signs and symptoms. And we, we have to understand that we, we are transitioning our body into aging and aging itself has a number of changes that, um, that occur. So working with the, our hormones is, is absolutely um, fundamental. Yeah, that's it. That's the answer. And that's probably where some of the biggest gaps are for information for women and um, I know and we just quickly talked before we started recording about the that there seems to be a lot of information and lots of science on training up until you're about 40 and it's hit and it's go 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 and it's power mm. training and then there's a lot of information on training as an older adult like 60 plus this is the things that you should do there's lots of studies and then there's that gap in the middle I think they're assuming that we're just going to sit down and wait until we can get off the couch again or until the doctor says you know what you should probably go for a walk because there's that gap in the middle which is like this is actually someone like me Wendy mm. you know I've come out of HIIT training and I still can do a little bit of it but my body is going yeah I can do it but it doesn't feel as nice as that yoga practice I did yesterday mm. which I think I want to do more of that and that's just kind of understanding mentally emotionally and physically what my mm. body's craving but I don't have the science I don't have the knowledge that says actually Tracy that here's here's the program you should be doing actually if you don't mind me putting in a little bit of that personal conversation mm. I had this morning, I was looking for a personal trainer today. I wanted someone that could train a woman who is hormonal with perimenopause and moving towards menopause. Do you think I could find somebody? No. And you know what? I probably do know more <laughs> about training only because I'm looking for the science. I'm constantly looking, but there, mm. it's a massive gap for us. And it's mm. an area that I think, you know, it's exciting for both mm. of us is to, mm. to go, okay, there's, there is a gap and there's an opportunity um, to really understand this new generation of women who take mm. care of themselves, who want to be youthful, that want to wear nice clothes, that don't want to be parked on the bench because you can't move or go for a little jog sometimes. Mm. So yeah, big gap. Mm. Yeah. Big gap. And, and I argued in my academic defense that um, we were being forgotten about because um, what happens is there, there certainly in New Zealand and Australia, um, I, there was not one course on menopause for um, exercise professionals and um, nutritionists and all these people. So one of, the, one of the things that's really happened over the last 20 years um, is the fact that 
uh, there hasn't been a lot of information about this uh, age and stage, but it goes back to what I said before about the fact that we are the first generation coming into menopause, so it hasn't been something that um, has really ha has really been focused on in terms of the exercise um, response. But the other thing, if you think about it, is that um, you know the, over the past you know twenty five years, thirty years, there's been a lot of um, uh, disciplines that have emerged in uh, around exercise professional, the growth in exercise professionals, the growth in personal training from through through our time, um, the growth in nutritionists, the growth in um, you know whatever whatever practitioners that are out there. It doesn't matter whether they're chiropractics or you know or whoever, um, but everybody is learning their craft in isolation of the whole body. And one of the things, just coming back to the exercise um, side of things, one of the things that um, uh, that is happening is that there has been this move towards um, just, uh, uh, how do I want to say this? There, there has been a commercialization of aging into the younger, you know, from the younger demographic. And therefore, a lot of the modalities of exercise around high intensity training, CrossFit, and a lot of, you know, whether it's, um, you know, the different brands from different companies with, with spin and everything, these are fantastic modes of exercising but they have not been researched in terms of a woman who's going through a lot of hormonal chaos and particularly women who aren't sleeping. You know, insomnia is the number one issue. And you and I have sat in numerous lectures over many, many years ago to show um, that one of the characteristics of an overtrained athlete, one of the first things that happens is that their sleep is disrupted. So I have a rule for all the ladies who come into my program and, and in my exercise program. And that is, if you are not sleeping between the hours of two o'clock and four o'clock, which is probably most women on the planet, you are not to do high intensity exercise. And I say that because you need, if you're doing high intensity exercise, and remember, I'm, I'm including weight training in that, um, heavy resistance training is anaerobic. You're working anaerobically at the cellular level. So you are not recovering. Between two o'clock and four o'clock, that is the time of the night when growth hormone is being secreted and you are repairing your muscles. Um, so you must sleep. So to recover from exercise, you must sleep. Wendy's ability to help us understand what is happening within our bodies is second to none. If you were inspired by this episode, consider checking out Wendy's program at mymenopausetransformation.com. Don't let the symptoms set you up for a decade of misery when you can tap into Wendy's knowledge and expertise. And coming right up, episode two, menopause and exercise. I hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed hosting it. I love that there are so many generous women willing to share their story and expertise to help and inspire all of us going through the mire of menopause. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please check the show notes to follow my guest. All their details are there. And if you want to stay connected for further episodes, please like, subscribe, review, and of course share with your friends. It's through your support and feedback that I can continue to produce episodes. Aroha nui.